Good morning, everyone. Morning, morning. Well, God's already been at work, and um, he's said most of what I was going to say through different people already, so that's always good. Um, so this morning, we're continuing to look at what it means to be church together. And um, to start off, I'd like to see if you can remember, my home group know that I'm good at doing this, but see if you can remember... Um, what Rich spoke about two weeks ago, I'll give you the hint, the, uh, the overall topic was being priests. Sorry? No, no hints. Rich doesn't want me to give you any hints. So, yeah, that we're all priests. Now, he talked about three functions that we have. Who can remember um, one or all of them? So, yeah, first one, drawing close to God, presenting ourselves to God in worship, being in his presence, yeah, that was the first one. Janice is hoping that some of the rest of you get it before I jump on it. <laughs> Ministering to others. So, um, yeah, his third one was about presenting God to people. So carrying God and presenting him and our witness. And there was one in the middle. What was the... Okay, so your heaven's on one side, the kind of world's on the other, and we're in the middle. So it was about presenting others to God in prayer and in our intercession and carrying yeah, uh, our prayers to God on behalf of, of others. So those three kind of functions of our ministry. Now, last week, Nita talked about the purpose of the church. Who remembers anything that Nita said? No pressure with Nita sat on the front row. <laughs> Nita can't remember, so uh, no, Nita can't remember. Um, so she talked about, give you again a few hints, um, building on the foundation of the revelation of who Jesus is, and then she talked about having a heavenly purpose and an earthly purpose. Does anyone remember any of what the heavenly purpose was? Rich? <laughs> Display the bank. Displaying the manifold wisdom of God. He was with the kids. He heard it through the wall. So, <laughs> so displaying the manifold or glorious wisdom of God. Anyone remember anything about anything else about the heavenly purpose or about the earthly purpose? What are we here for? Make disciples of all nations. Yep. What else are we here for? Oh, get me thinking. Okay, I'll list off some things that Nita said. So she said, connecting man to God, bringing revival, welcoming the return of Jesus, a vehicle for making disciples, a training ground, and a witness to the nature of God. And there we talked about how we said the way that we love each other can demonstrate to the world God's love. And um, the earthly purpose and the heavenly purpose are very closely linked, so we can't really separate them, but um, it's crucial about knowing our identity of who we are and that we are the dwelling place of God. So today we're going to look at, so if that's who we are and that's the purpose of church, what does church look like and what should it look like? So I'm going to share a few thoughts and then we're going to dive into a little bit of Bible study um, in a pass one passage in particular, and then we'll come back together. So I'm going to start by going to Matthew 28. If you probably know this passage very well. Um, so the end of Matthew, um, Jesus gives a command. So in Matthew 28, verse 16, it says... 
Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So Jesus gave this commandment, often called the Great Commission, um, to his followers, saying, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me, and I'm telling you, go make disciples of all nations, and I, and I will be with you always to the very end of the age. But that wasn't the only um, instructions that Jesus gave his disciples at the end um, of his time on earth. At the end of Luke as well, it's recorded in Luke 24, verse 45 to 49. It says, Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scripture, and he told them, This is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for forgiveness of sin will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and I am going to send you what my Father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. And here when he says, I'm going to send you what the Father has promised, does anyone know what he's talking about? The Holy Spirit. So this, Jesus gives them the great commission, go into all the world, preach the gospel, repentance of sin, make disciples. But you're not going to do it by yourself. Wait, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. So then, that's the end of Luke, and then Luke also wrote Acts, and we go to Acts. And so in, in Acts 1, Jesus is taken up to heaven. Then they find a replacement in the disciples um, for Judas. And then in Acts 2, the fun really starts. And the Holy Spirit comes, and it's what we call Pentecost. And the Spirit comes upon the disciples, and there's all sorts of things going on. So much going on that people think they're drunk. But there's tongues, there's miracles. Peter preaches the gospel, and 3,000 people repent are baptized and turn to follow Jesus. And they were added to the church, it says there. So where we're going to really focus in on today is Acts chapter 2. And at the end of Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47. So this is going to be, yeah, the focus of what we're looking at. So Acts 2, 42 says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done through the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I'm just going to talk a little bit about the first few verses in that passage. In, in my translation here in the NIV, it says they devoted themselves 
to the apostles' teachings, and then it lists some other things. And so I looked at that word devoted, and um, here's a few other um, translations in different translations of the Bible. This is how they express it. So in the Amplified Version, it says, they were continually and faithfully devoting themselves. In the classic Amplified Bible, it says, and they steadfastly persevered, devoting themselves constantly. In the New Living Living Translation, it says, all the believers devoted themselves. And in the Passion Translation, it says, every believer was faithfully devoted. I think just that gives you a bit of a picture of quite how devoted people were and what this meant for them. They'd heard the gospel, they'd repented, they were baptized, they turned to Jesus, and they joined the early church. They joined what the church um, looked like then, and they had this continual, faithful, devoted um, attitude towards it. They were steadfast, they persevered. That makes me think that um, to pers- you don't really need perseverance if it's easy. <laughs> you don't need perseverance if it's straightforward, but um, they continued and were faithful and persevered um, and followed um, were part of this, this early church. Um, I like the classic Amplified version where it said they, dev- they were devoting themselves constantly. So again, it wasn't just um, what they were thinking or what they were doing, but it was themselves, <laughs> everything that yourself entails. Um, and it was constant and it was continual and it was faithful. So I think if we're looking at characteristics of the early church, being devoted seems to be um, a strong characteristic. But what were they devoted to? And in the first um, few verses there, in verse 42 and 43, it says, um, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. So the apostles' teaching, if we think about that, these apostles were the ones that had been Jesus' disciples, they'd been with him, they'd heard what he had been teaching them, and then Jesus says, go into all the world, preach repentance, tell people about me, (laughs) and make disciples. And so at this point, the, the revelation of Jesus is what the disciples and these apostles were teaching, just as Nita shared last week. That's the foundation. Who Jesus was, was the message. And we've spent a good few months this year, (laughs) even into last year, I think, looking at Jesus' teaching on the Sermon on the Mount um, and what Jesus was teaching us. And that would have formed what the apostles were teaching. They didn't have Bibles like we have now. They had um, the parts of the Old Testament, um, and then they had the revelation that Jesus had brought and the teaching that he had um, imparted into them. And here as we think about this, being devoted to the apostles' teaching wasn't just that they were scholars and wanted to learn what the apostles had done, but all those words at the beginning of these verses talking about devoting ourselves, it's, the, it's this application of what people are hearing. So to be really devoted to the teaching doesn't mean that you just know it, but it's you know it, you hear it, you believe it, and you live it out. Um, that shows your devotion in, in what you're doing. They had a willingness to be taught. They were eager to learn and to hear what is it that we need to know? What is it that God's saying to us? So, yeah, as I said, they weren't just hearers of the word, but they were definitely doers. The second thing that it talks about is the fellowship. Um, And here, the the Greek word really brings a, a sense of deep 
communion and commitment and participation together. Um, so this was, again, about their lives being connected. They were together as a group of people. If we think about some of those words at the beginning, if, if you need to be steadfast and you need to persevere and you need to devote yourself, that's much easier if you're connected with other people who feel the same <laughs> and you can spur each other on rather than you being isolated. So there's this sense of community. And Paul, in his letters that he writes to a number of churches um, when the, in the time of the early church, he's often encouraging them in this sense of community. And so in Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, it says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day of Christ approaching. And then in Philippians 2, he writes again in verse 3 to 4, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. So this sense of this deep love um, for one another and this connection and this life devotion. Then it talks about the breaking of bread. And this wasn't just a, a symbolic thing to do. But again, as Nita said last week, this was about remembering who Jesus is, remembering their reliance on Jesus, um, remembering yeah, just Jesus as the Messiah and that he was fulfilling all those prophecies that they knew. And it was to keep it central to what they were doing. They weren't just becoming a community of people loving each other and supporting one another, but this was because of Jesus. And, and in the tradition then, the breaking of bread would have been done is as part of a meal. And so eating together and fellowshipping together and Jesus in the middle of that and remembering, bringing yourself back to say, it's all about Jesus. As we heard this morning, only Jesus. And the, the fourth thing that they mention their devotion to here is prayers. So this can, this can probably mean two things, but um, prayers as in um, praying and interceding and devotion to God, as we've talked about, but also prayers would have meant daily events that were happening at the temple. And so prayers was something you would go to, again, to do with others. So just as Jill said, um, we're called to pray on our own and, and have that intimate time with God, but we're also called to pray together. Um, and there's something in that corporate gathering um, and prayer of what demonstrates what God has for us. So I don't want to talk um, for the whole time. I want you to actually look at what the Bible says. And so I'm going to get you to... Um, just turn to in twos or threes. We're going to do it in really small groups so that we can all really get into um, the passage. And we're going to look at um, those verses in Acts. So if you have a Bible, um, it's Acts 2, 42 to 47. If you don't have a Bible, there's about 10 at the back on the table there. Um, so if you just want to shift your chairs around so that you're two or three people gathered in a group, do move yourself. You might have to shift your chair. Don't worry, you won't need to see the screen. Just turn around to face somebody. Do mix yourself up if you want to go with someone not in your family. Feel free to join a group so you can get someone else's input. So, just before we start, I'll just give you a couple of instructions. <laughs> so, you should have got a sheet of paper. Um, 
There's three questions on there. The first one is, how would you describe the church, the early church? The second one is, what excites you? And the final one is, what does that mean for us today? What should we be doing? What are we already doing? How do we, how do we currently represent the early church? What should we be doing having read this? What are you challenged that we should be doing? So we'll take 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah, at the end, I'd love to get the paper in to read what you've put, especially question three. So um, if you want to put your name, feel free. If you don't, feel free. Um, if you don't want to hand your paper in, that's also fine. So go ahead. <laughs> Wonderful. Now, if we had a whole day's workshop on this, I think we could <laughs> really dive into it and uh, really feedback everything, but we're not going to um, do that in the five minutes <laughs> we have. Um, but yeah, we would love to, to, to collect the papers if you feel happy to, to share so that we can just see um, what groups have been discussing and what you really think um, church should look like. Part of the value of this is us grappling with it together. So the groups that you've been in, looking and going, okay, this is what the early church looked like. What should we look like now? What does that mean for me as an individual? What does that mean for us as a group of people? But the one question I would love just to hear a few people share, what excites you about what you read here in Acts, about what the early church looked like? Who would like to share? What excites you as you read through that? Um, their excitement. Their excitement. Wonderful. Who else would like to share? What excites you as you read that passage in Acts about what the church looked like? Miraculous. Yeah, miraculous signs and wonders. God at work and us seeing that. Who else? What else excites you when you read what the church looked like? Yeah, nobody was lacking. There was no one in need. They yeah, were brave enough to share what they had, so it, there was no one struggling. Anything else that you find exciting as you read that? So, yeah, they sold their possessions to help one another. They weren't selfish, but they were thinking of each other. Yeah. Their dedication, yeah. Their passion and their dedication is clear, isn't it? So I just want to pull a few of these things together that we've been talking about. So in my mind, as I was looking through this, I saw a few things emerging that... The early church, they had instructions from Jesus, they had the Holy Spirit, and then they had their dedication. And those three things, it seems together, led to a thriving church, to life, to growth, to miracles, to new believers. So if we just think about them um, in the few minutes we have, the, the instructions from Jesus, we looked at those um, in the Great Commission the general instructions from Jesus to go make disciples, um, the instructions of Jesus that we've read through um, the Sermon on the Mount and we've digested, what is it that Jesus is saying to us um, from his word? Um, I, I often say that even if Jesus didn't speak to us again, there's enough in here for us to dedicate our life to. Um, there's enough instructions of how we should live and demonstrate who God is to the world. Um, we love the fresh revelation and we love the new word. Um, but devoting ourselves to the apostles' teaching, devoting ourselves to the word of God, um, we would get a long way. 
Um, but then we do have the ins- specific instructions from Jesus. So what is it that God said to us as EFCC? What is it we're supposed to be doing? Who is it we're supposed to be? For you know, us as a body and a representation um, here in Epping Forest. Um, and then each of us probably have instructions from Jesus as well um, for us personally. What is it, the passion that he's put in us that he wants us to dedicate our life to? Um, and so those are the instructions of Jesus in the word of God and through his revelation to us. And then the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, you can't do anything <laughs> without me. We can't do it without the Holy Spirit. It's no good us just reading the Bible and trying to do it all <laughs> because we're going to fail. It's through um, his spirit in us. And then the piece where we really come in is our dedication. And Nita um, talked about this last week and really challenged us at the end. This is, this is a whole life commitment um, to following Jesus and to being part of his church. And so are we committed to Jesus and to building his church? And I think if we focus on the instructions from Jesus, on living by the power of the Spirit and devoting ourselves to this, then we can see that thriving church, the life, the growth, the, all those things that um, yeah, excite us about God's love being demonstrated through us. We can see that happening. So I just challenge us as we finish, really, that um, we need to check. um, Do we know our instructions? Are we clear on what God has called us to in terms of go make disciples of all nations? And then, then the more specific instructions we feel God's given to us as EFCC and us as individuals. Are we dedicating our lives to living them out and to following where Jesus calls us? And are we operating in the power of the Spirit? Or are we doing it in our own strength? And have we pushed yeah, God out? <laughs> We've taken his instructions and we're trying to do them. You know, but, or are we actually allowing his Spirit to work through us? And as Nita said again last week, then he will build his church. It's Jesus that builds the church, um, not us. So... Those are just a few reflections um, from that passage. I think we might be looking at Acts um, a little bit more over the coming weeks just to see um, what it looked like for those early believers who had been with Jesus, what church really looked like for them. But do reflect on these passages again um, as we go away. Do pray over what you think it is that these scriptures are saying to us as EFCC for this time Coming out of the last 18 months that we've been in, what does church look like? What should it look like? What what are we not doing that we should be doing? (laughs) What are we doing that we should stop doing? Um, And what does it really mean to focus on what's important, to have Jesus central and to be living out his instructions for us in 2021 and moving forward? So Jesus, we just thank you that church is your plan that you, yeah, that you want to see um, your church thriving, demonstrating the manifold wisdom of God, the glorious um, love of God to the world through the way that we are. And we are only broken human beings, but by your power and by your Holy Spirit, we can change the world and we can be used by you 
and we can make disciples. We can point people to Jesus. We can help people turn their lives around because of Jesus. So God, we just ask you to help us as we are in this transition time coming out of all the th that we've been through in this last while, God. We pray that it would be your wisdom. It would be your instructions. It would be your revelation that drives us and shapes what we look like going forward. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.